0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good morning. Welcome to NJS Bay's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show, program dedicated to creating conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the education issues of the day a conversation that brings educational leaders and experts to you and I hope you feel free to kind of join in and on the conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host this morning. Uh today as usual, we will not only be taking your calls, but we will also have a chat room open. So this will give you two vehicles in which to participate. To uh, call in and uh and ask a question, dial 1347. and when you are ready to make a comment or ask a question and try to keep the questions succinct, uh, press 1, and that will indicate on our switchboard that you are ready to ask a question, and Jennifer, who is monitoring the switchboard, will get your name uh, and the county that you're from and your question and topic. Also, if you're on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there's a delay. And it can sometimes be confusing if you 're just listening on the computer, we do have the chat room feature, as I said, open. You can log on uh, we will be monitoring the chat room and we'll pass on some of the comments or questions onto our speaker to log on to the chat room. You will need to register with blog talk radio. Um, state standards and standardized tests are really not new concepts and have been part of New Jersey's education landscape for some time now. However, there has been some recent concerns raised by some community members and educators about the Common Core State Standards and PARC, uh, and why do we need standards and uh, assessment. Uh, And if we do need them, are Common Core and PARC the appropriate standards and assessment? Uh, To talk about this with me today is someone who I think is very... uh, 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 experience in this area, and that's Dr. Tracy Severins, who, uh who is with the Mount Olive School District uh, right now, but is a former chief academic officer for the New Jersey Department of Education, so she can come at it from a variety of perspectives. Uh, welcome, Tracy.
0: Thank you. Good morning, Ray.
1: Okay. Uh, just tell us a, very briefly about your what position you, you have with Mount Olive and some of your in-the-field experience as well as um, with the department.
0: Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. Um, I started a, as a paraprofessional at a school for children with special needs, so I, I started my career many years ago as an aide. Uh, from there, I really fell in love with the classroom. I became uh, a special education teacher after getting my degree uh, in special education. I was um, then, um, after you know, a number of years, I became a vice principal. Um, then I was a principal. I was a superintendent. I chose to go back to being a principal because what I really love to do is to work with teachers and leaders to improve outcomes for kids. So I was a principal in Mount Olive here at the middle school for eight years before being asked uh, by the New Jersey Department of Education to join the effort to elevate the outcomes for all kids across our state. And so for two years, I served as chief academic officer for the state of New Jersey um, when that contract uh, and this, after two years um I made a decision to come back to Mount Olive, and I am now serving as Director of student Performance, so I'm working with our four elementaries, our middle school and our high school to really elevate the outcomes for all of our children um k to twelve and um so I just returned here to the district um August first and um i'm I'm really in- interested i'm completely invested in the work that we're doing and uh, seeking to continue to help to the degree that I can um, for kids across the state.
1: All right. Before I get into the Common Core, the Common Core state standards are just that standard. Standards are not really new to New Jersey. Why do we need to have standards, uh, state standards?
0: Well, we've had standards in New Jersey since the 1990s and and standards are a way to identify a core set of skills uh and competencies some no- knowledge for example that we want all kids to know and be able to do each grade level as they progress from kindergarten through grade 12 and it's a way to make sure that everyone who begins um in the in you know in kindergarten is going to Make their way to that place, um, you know, 13 years later where they are able to graduate ready to be successful in college and careers. And so standards set out a course that is designed to lead all students, regardless of school, or as some say, regardless of zip code, toward that finish line. And I think, Ray, one of the things that's important to point out is that standards really don't imply standardization, meaning these are the outcomes that we want for kids, but it doesn't determine the way that we need to achieve those outcomes. There's a great deal of latitude for districts to design curricula that meets the needs of their local community. And then teachers within those communities, um, within the schools, can design lessons that are tailored to meet the needs of their students. So um, standards kind of set the path. But indeed, there are many roads that lead to Rome. So there's lots of ways for us to get there, um, which, as I said, leaves a lot of room for local decisions to be made about how we get kids to to achieve those those standards.
1: Um, well, what's different about the Common Core state standards as opposed to the standards that New Jersey has always had? And if I'm correct, New Jersey has always had Fairly high academic standards, particularly compared to some other states.
0: Yes, New Jersey has always had a set of ambitious standards, and and that's one of the reasons that we have been a top-performing state in the nation. And the way that we know that is when we look at state performance on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, which is mm-hmm. referred to often as NAEP, when everybody takes the same test, New Jersey performs at the very top of the pack in math and in English language arts. When you look at the performance of uh, individual states based on their own standards and their own assessments, we see that New Jersey has often um, had different levels of success depending on, you know, performance or or, um, across the state. And um, when you compare the different states, we'll see that, for example, some states that had lower standards and easier assessments, performed better on their own tests. But as I said, when we all take the same test, New Jersey, which may struggle to get all of our kids up and over the bar on our own standards and our own rigorous assessments, um, we perform better compared to those those same states. So it's been a confusing landscape. Um, what the Common Core sought to do is is to say, are there not a common set of outcomes that we want for all students, regardless of, of whether they live in Missouri or Arkansas or South Carolina, California, or New Jersey? Because this is one nation. Um, and when we have students who move or just for the common interest of our of the United States like, isn't there a common set of outcomes where we want all kids uh to to that we want all kids to achieve and the common core really sought to do that and it was designed to begin with the end in mind looking at the skills knowledge and competencies that kids need to be successful in college and in career and to do that backwards planning that takes them from 12th grade to 11th and all the way down to kindergarten. So the goal really was to elevate the um, the success of our students across the nation.
1: So uh, the, one of the differences uh, is that as opposed to um, our New Jersey core content standards, these standards we're sharing with other states.
0: Yes. And in many respects, they were very similar to to our state because, as I said, Massachusetts and New Jersey were leaders in the nation. So, you know, there are, there are some differences, particularly, let's say, in mathematics, where these standards provide an opportunity for more focus in mathematics, particularly in the early years. Um, and that was designed to ensure that our youngsters master the key competencies in um, mathematics early on so that they can build later understandings on a solid foundation of success. So uh, for many of our students, I think, in New Jersey and, uh, and across the nation, I think the, the focus that is a central feature of the Common Core for mathematics is really going to serve our students very well.
1: hmm now, um, some of the criticism that you, you've probably heard uh, out in the community is that this is now becoming a national curriculum. Is uh, is that true to any degree?
0: Well, I think that's really a misconception because people often confuse standards and curriculum. Um, standards are, as I said, a set Of outcomes for students that can be common across a state or multiple states but curricula is designed by the local school district Um, so they need to be aligned to the standards but there is a great degree of discretion there for for districts to sequence for example the uh, standards to vary the means the instructional practices the materials the books there are a lot of choices that are made by the individual districts so that the means to achieve the standards are determined on that local level.
1: All right. So you, you've convinced me, Tracy, that standards oh. are a good thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but how do I know that these standard, the Common Core, are good standards? Uh, obviously, they're not perfect standards, but uh, are they good standards uh, for New Jersey?
0: Well, I think they are because they really um, focus on what I believe all of our kids need to know and be able to do, which is to read, write, speak, and listen um, in a way that we, you know, we, we that we know what we're talking about. That students are able to read um, grade level texts and write about their understandings or speak about their understandings and. You know, when you, when you think about what we're asked to do in, in, in real life, um, that's central to our work. And so um, the, the standards really focus on key outcomes for kids, um, and they, they look to do that in a way that is ambitious and yet I would say realistic. And so it's, it, they develop over time. Um, in a way that leads them toward, I think, a very worthy outcome. In mathematics, the idea of focus, as I said, is very important. The idea of coherence, because we help kids understand the connectedness that exists um, in mathematics. And the idea of of rigor in that it, it, it emphasizes the importance of of not just being able to you know, to do, you know, long division or or numerical kinds of calculations, but to solve real problems. So the fact that a lot of the mathematics is done in a context, meaning a a real setting, a real problem, um, that also serves kids well because mathematics is intended to be used um, in our real lives for, you know, the way we manage our money, the the decisions that we make. Um, For example, kids should know, that um, a 21% interest credit card is is going to be pretty hazardous to our financial mm-hmm. well-being. And I think we have to do more than just ask kids to do, you know, 21% of this times and just numbers. It needs to be, you know, you're sent a credit card invitation. It says this, it, you know, it, it promises that. Is this a good choice for you? You know, how do we really use the math that we learn?
1: Um now there has been some criticism, and we're talking with Dr. Tracy Severns from the Mount Olive School District. If you want to ask uh, Dr. Severns a question, uh, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one. Uh, there has been some criticism that I have heard that maybe it's a dumbing down that uh, uh, that the curricula, the standards are a little too low. Can districts uh, in New Jersey, I guess, across the nation, if they're part of the Common Core, have their own standards? that are a little bit higher than the, the Common hey, Core? Sure,
0: sure. And it's so interesting that you say that, Ray, because, you know, I go to some places and, and they say the standards are too high. Just the other day I did a board presentation and one of the board members expressed concern that, um, you know, some kids just basically aren't that smart you know i mean that was that was and so we talked about that is intelligence you know something fixed that you're born with or is it something that can be developed and there's a lot of research to suggest that through hard work and diligent effort and 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 um high quality instruction the kids can go can do better that that it's really a more malleable more um changeable uh, factor than, you know, fixed intelligence. So some people are concerned that the standards are too high and too challenging, and I've heard others say that they're too low. And and here's the thing. It is that stair step of progression like like steps that lead up to to the second floor. You know, they're at a, a standard height. However, you could take two steps at a time. I mean, there is you can always go above um, and so you can go deeper, you can go wider in terms of what you're, you're teaching kids. You also can provide the scaffolding necessary so that you are supporting kids who struggle with the grade-level standards. The idea is that by the end of 12th grade, we're going to get kids to an end place where they're going to be able to live independently, make a good living, and go to college without high levels of remediation, which causes them to lose time and money and have a greater risk of dropping out. That, that's really what we want for kids.
1: Uh, and I have actually heard the same thing from people that I've heard both. It's too They're too low, they're too high. But I think some of that, at least from my perspective, is that it's tied to, and I'll transition now, into the testing. The standards mm-hmm. are the goal. The testing is we kind of know, are we there yet? Um mm-hmm or uh or who's there uh and that's park and that's been uh where i think there's been some concern from people whereas there's more agreement on the standards but um how's the park test a little bit different than uh the testing that we've had in the in the past even though we're i know it's still being implemented
0: Okay. So I'll just take a moment to kind of um define that for people because for some people who may be newer to the conversation, park sounds like something we remember in our youth, you know, with swings and, and seesaws, right. you know, P A R K and we're I mean, talking I, I, the, about P A R C C. So the Park uh tests, uh when people say that they're referring to the partnership for the assessment of readiness. For college and career, so I just thought I would throw that out
1: there, right? I the know sake I, I violated one of my own uh, <laughs> rules in that I shouldn't throw out acronyms, but all Ray, right, but go ahead.
0: So that being said, um, what Park is designed to do is to see that children are on track to graduate, career, and college ready, and so they're kind of touch points along the way, so that in third grade and in fourth grade and fifth grade we can stop and see how is this child doing. What do they need to be successful? Maybe they need enrichment and additional challenge because they are scoring at a five. Um, they are at the distinguished level of proficiency. So that gives us important information because for some kids sitting in classrooms where they are being presented with information they already know really does not serve them well. They're ready for more, and Park is a way to discern levels of performance in relation to the standards so that we can provide support for kids who need that and enrichment and challenge for kids who need that. Um, Park also was designed to reward good instruction. And this, I think, is a critical point. If you look at the sample assessment items, which are on Park Online, that anyone can go online, you could look at the sample tests, What they seek to do is measure students' understanding of critical concepts, which is different than just remembering facts or figuring out a procedure to get or guess a right answer. Park really wants to know – do kids understand and can they express their understandings and so i i really think that now again we want to make that point that in new jersey we have had constructed response items meaning they're not just guess you know multiple choice they were there, there were always items where kids wrote about their solutions or wrote about their understandings. So we're really in a good place in New Jersey because our kids have been doing that. But there are other states, Ray, where they've been picking from four choices for years and then telling parents that their kids are doing really well. But life really isn't a multiple-choice test. And so... When we ask kids to write about what they understand, that's how we truly know who really gets it and who doesn't.
1: Uh, um, Some of the concerns I've heard about PARC, and I I also want to get into in a little short time about what districts can do to help themselves in this area or or prepare their students and staff, but uh, is that maybe they're not ready, the students aren't ready, or maybe the staff's not ready for uh, the testings mostly uh, on computers, Uh, and that could be a problem in terms of writing or the math. Uh, Any uh, thoughts on that?
0: Sure. Well, I think one of the things I often encourage um, districts to do, and that I'm working um, with the folks here in Mount Olive to do, is to look at the assessments. They're online. See, in the past, um, one of the frustrations people have expressed with New Jersey's assessments is we really weren't able to look at them. So there are fully, full. Um, assessments online for each grade level and in the fall, an additional full uh, grade level ass- um, assessment is going to be added. So so people can do two things, Ray. They can look at the nature of the questions themselves and they can look at what kids have to do to show what they know. They can look at the nature of the technology. So in some places, kids have to for example, drag and drop something to a place on the number line. They need to um, type their 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 answer. So what I'm encouraging districts to do is to take a look at what you're currently doing with kids and and um to set up a plan so that you're providing kids opportunities to do this kind of work online. Um and it, it's also interesting and important to note that when we We did the field test in New Jersey, and the vast majority of districts across the state participated voluntarily. They they willingly went on and said, we want to see what this is like. And -hmm. there were many lessons learned. One of the lessons learned was that kids liked it, that many kids said, particularly in the elementary grades, they said they found it more interesting, more engaging. And and sometimes I think the the concerns and the fears that adults have about taking Kids taking the assessments online is a a projection of our own concerns, but we found that that generally the kids really were able to navigate fluidly within the the, uh, tech platform. That they were more interested, as I said, they worked harder, longer. I mean, for a lot of kids, those paper and pencil tests and filling in the bubble, you know, those weren't exactly a thrill a minute. You know, and, and kids today, I mean, often it's hard to get them off of computers. They're very comfortable on computers. And so um, districts have the opportunity and, and have had the opportunity to to make sure that kids are having experiences with the technology in classrooms so that we're improving teaching, we're improving learning, and we're improving readiness for part.
1: Well, you said a couple things. Uh um uh, one I, I just want to touch on Were you when you were talking about looking at the what what's expected of the kids both I guess with the technology and the content uh you can look at two things there one um is that teaching to the test you know that and that's one well, of the complaints that we always hear about well about all standards and all standardized tests I guess
0: Well I think there's something important we have to think about you know is if it's a if it's a good assessment if if what we're seeking to assess is worthy, meaning can kids read and can they write about their understandings? If we agree with the claims that Park is seeking to measure, and the claims are all up on the park site, so there's claims for example, in literacy that have to do with reading. I haven't met any parents yet who don't want their students, their children to be able to read. Uh, um, and understand. So, you know, they read literature, they read nonfiction, and they use academic vocabulary properly. So we want kids to be able to read. The other claim is around writing. We want kids to be able to uh, express their ideas for different audiences, different purpose, and to apply the conventions of language, to know where to put an apostrophe, for example, and to be able to learn by reading. So to build background knowledge through Content-rich nonfiction. That's how it's phrased. So, if we agree that that's what we want kids to know and be able to do when it comes to literacy, then mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing to have an assessment. You know, and if the assessment measures those things, then teaching toward an assessment that measures worthy outcomes isn't isn't a bad thing. Now, if it's a bad test. And if people try to use tricks or mnemonics or, or ways to just remember this to guess the right answer on the test, then, then that isn't a good thing. I mean, I I think there's lots of parallels in life where, where if the assessment is aligned to what we want people to know and be able to do, let's say like a road test to get your driver's license, if we agree that what you have to do to get the license is what you're going to do on the road, then practicing, you know, Toward the test is is good is good work. I mean that's we never have to, we don't have to apologize for that. Then if it's a lousy test that measures things we don't care about, teaching to the test is a bad
1: thing. Okay, and as, so uh, one of the recommendations that I'm not sure if you said this or anything um, is um, I lost my train of thought and I sh- I shouldn't do that. No. Uh, <laughs> is they should be using the this the technology not really just for testing but for instruction.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Be, see, I think there was a lot of focus and I understand it because first you need to have the um the technology and you have to have the bandwidth. We have to have the stuff to make technology um the use of technology possible in classrooms. So across the state districts, we're, we're doing a lot of work to make sure we have the technology and that it works. So tech readiness in a lot of places was defined as accumulating the um, the the equipment and the wherewithal to use it. What I'm suggesting is we really need to go beyond that and think about instructional readiness meaning are kids using the technology in meaningful ways to advance their own learning maybe to personalize their learning you know to make it more like what people do when when they when they leave the school building at the end of the day so that's that's the opportunity i think is to mm-hmm. really rethink what we do during the day and in our classrooms so that more kids are interested, so that they're engaged, so that they enjoy learning. It, Learning, you know, in the 21st century, really, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, shouldn't look like rows and worksheets. It, and, and so the technology has a way, it gives us a means to bring in a level of engagement that's hard to muster. When you're just passing out the next worksheet that that doesn't mean those are terrible, but there should be a more balanced approach i think to instruction and technology is one way to do that
1: um, is uh one of the uh, uh things that I've also heard is and you kind of touched on this before uh is that this if we're test if we have these standards and these testing. Uh, Does that affect the teachers' creativity in the classroom at all? I mean, that's some of the complaints uh, that we've heard from. uh, Actually, I guess mostly teachers that they're afraid that their creativity is going to be forced because of the standards and the testing that they're going to. They're only teaching one way. Is that or is that just a a myth from your perspective?
0: uh, Yeah, that fascinates me because when you read the standard, it says here's what kids should know and be able to do and and there are many ways that you could do that with kids. So if we just think about you know um for example, you know, the the idea of building background knowledge by reading, you know, nonfiction. So let let's say that we want kids to be able to read things and develop their understandings of all kinds of topics including, you know, these these topics can can, can vary greatly within the class. By teacher. There, there are just so many ways to do that that I, I really am baffled by that. There is nothing that is prescriptive in the standards that says how you have to get to that place. This says that by the end of the year, we want kids to read on grade level. And we want kids to write about what they read that is on grade level. Think of all the things that kids could read. Think of all the ways teachers can teach that. We can be creative. We can be innovative. I think the, the idea that these in some way require one way of teaching it is, is really a false notion. I mean, there is just nothing in the standards themselves that dictates a method nothing
1: okay, uh, and one of the things about that's different switching a little bit is in park testing, and you kind of you mentioned a little bit before that's a little bit different uh is that uh say in reading if I understand correctly uh, uh there'll be more non fiction uh reading skills as opposed to in the past it's been more probably closer to fiction, and then some people are afraid we're gonna lose. Uh, the great works of literature is that a an issue oh, or no. why?
0: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, some of the the you know the the great works, including um, pieces that are central in in America's history, like the Declaration of Independence or the Gettysburg Address, um, you know, key pieces of literature, Shakespeare, for example. There's um, reference to um, all. You know, central pieces of 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 literature, not not specific, um, you know, books per se, but um, authors or critical pieces are referenced um in the standards. But there, what the standards seek to do is to encourage a better balance of reading both literature and nonfiction. And it is my opinion that schools were heavily weighted toward reading fiction for many years. And I love fiction. I read fiction often. And yet, in the course of my work and just in life, most of what I have to read in terms of my, my job or, you know, figuring out how to make the new remote work at home, which, you know, it can be challenging. Um, we read technical writing or we read nonfiction. Um, so as as a the director of of student performance as a principal as a you know chief academic officer as a person most of what i read for my own purposes in 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 terms of you know my my job my career is nonfiction so we were sending kids out into the world with very relatively little practice um in knowing how to read and understand nonfiction pieces so it it again it doesn't seek to replace but to create more of a balance. And it's important to note that just as we were referring earlier to there's lots of ways to accomplish things, by no means does that become the work of the English teacher or the literacy teacher, science and social studies and um across disciplines there is a written record of the field there is virtually no subject area that is taught in american schools that does not have a written record of the field and so when we have kids read if it's cosmetology cabinetry calculus physics biology what um history world history whatever the subject is teaching children how to read independently and understand text related to that written record of the field really enhances the study of that subject. It is not intended to replace literature by any means. It's to emphasize that in in schools, I believe, we all have an obligation to view ourselves as literacy teachers because we teach reading and writing relative to the written record of the field that I teach and authentic problem-solving. Um, because problems also are a part of the work that we do across the board.
1: Uh, I have a question, and it got cut off, so I'm not really sure. Uh, it, will the park tie in with student achievement and classroom tracking? I guess the tracking of students is what they're talking about. Um, I guess using the park results is what that's getting to. And what do we do with the results of these tests? Well, the
0: the, the results of the assessment are being used to determine. Which children are on track, as we say, so that we can be responsive. I, I love the phrase that I read recently. I, I I think it was in a book by DeFore and Marzano, and they said what's important to know is all students by name and need. And and we think about that. That's a very powerful notion to know kids by name and need. Who is learning? Who isn't? Who needs more of a challenge? Who needs support? Um, who can we seek to 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 help rise to that next level so it 's a way for us to to be responsive um to children as they progress across the grades so if a it by no means suggests that you would need to track students um any more than is being done currently based on old tests there 's no requirement there 's no um you know, saying all kids who got this score have to be in this grouping or class. its That's really completely a, dist- a district decision. Eventually, and it's going to be years out, uh, just like the HESPA has been New Jersey's graduation requirement, PARC at some level will be a graduation requirement. But that won't be for a number of years because we want to make sure children are properly prepared, so that no one would be uh, disadvantaged by um the introduction of the park test,
1: uh we're talking with dr Tracy severns uh about Common Core park and uh preparing for it, and why uh if you want to ask her a question, dial one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine oh four and then press one and I'll indicate you have a question and Jennifer will take that um uh, all right so I, there is some debate. About whether Park or Common Core is correct, but it, they are here, and districts do have to uh, work towards uh, them. What could? It, what are some hints? What should a district? You're a, in a district now. What are some of the things that we can be doing to uh, help our okay. students I- and our staff?
0: I think that that is an excellent question and and one that that many people are asking and it really comes down to this. First, we should know what the park is going to ask for kids, ask of kids. We we should know about the assessment um itself and park has a wide array of resources and information online. So, if you just were to Google or or to search park um P A R C C A great deal of information is up there, including sample problems, full grade level tests. Um, Educators could look at the evidence guides that support how we will know if our kids are meeting these standards. Uh, There are... What we call performance level descriptors that say on this particular standard, what does it mean if a kid is performing at a at a level of a two or a three or a four or a five? you know that's that range of proficiency with the five being distinguished command, the kids all the way at the top um, so the first step is to know park, and there is a tremendous amount of information out there. The second. Is to make sure that you know the Common Core standards. So the Common Core was adopted in 2010, just readopted in 2014. People could go online to look at Common Core, and I really urge people to read the primary, read the source, because there is so much misinformation out there um, that it's uh, it, it's it's incredible. People have suggested that there's all kinds of things in the standards that aren't there. And what's important is to go to the source and know for yourself, to really look at the standards. So once you know PARC, you need to know the standards. You need to make sure we're teaching the standards. We make sure we assess the standards locally in the kind of assessments and assignments that teachers create all year long, and that the administration is supporting teachers in that effort. I've always believed that the role of any administrator is to serve. So at central office now, I seek to serve the principals. The principals serve the students um, I mean, serve the teachers, and and the teachers serve the students, um, and we engage parents all the way a- across the board. And so, when we when we do that in a in in a in an organized way, where when we create you know a plan and have a strategy to get our kids to that place, mm-hmm. um, when we create. Those student growth objectives that teachers create as part of the new evaluation system, so that they're aligned to the standards and we measure kids' learning in park-like ways, then what we're doing is we're really we're we're really integrating the work in a way that it's meaningful and manageable, and and that I think will be really successful.
1: Okay, I have someone here. I don't have their name, but I'm going to ask them. A, uh, you're on on the air. You're first three numbers are 366. Hi, Hello? Ray, and uh, thank you, Dr. Severance, for being such an articulate advocate for Common Core. Um, if you look to the future with whatever means we have now, uh, can, can you say a little bit about what you would predict the results are going to be after the first full year of, of park assessments, and how can board members prepare the public for either really great results or really poor results um, if, if we look ahead? Wow, that was my question about dealing with the public. Uh, Great. Uh, Thanks for that. I'm going to put you back on hold. um, Okay, you want to answer his question? (laughs) He had two parts there.
0: Um, So I think as a board member, um, you know, forecasting out what might we expect when we have students take these new assessments and how will we kind of, um, you know, manage or, or message what the results may be Um I I remain optimistic about our student performance um, because New Jersey has had rigorous assessments that have required students to write about their understandings for many years and so I think that that the performance that we find in districts will depend in part on the degree to which we have prepared um, and so what I would seek to do as a board member is I would first talk with my administrative team about what are we doing to narrow the space between where we are and where we need to be. And I would have some, um, some parent forums that, that really provide parents with information about the park assessments and about the Common Core. They might, for example, come together, go online, take some of the assessments, see what they're like, talk about what they ask of kids and the use of technology. And we can talk together about how we can help students be prepared. Um, I think the results are are difficult to forecast, um, of course, but, but what I take solace in the fact that in the Park Consortium, New Jersey is one of the highest performers in the group. And so when we think about the scoring that's going to take place, it's got to take into consideration students from all of those states, I believe 14 different states. Um, and so relative to the performance across those states, I think New Jersey is going to be a top performer. Um, if we compare our performance to how we've done in the past, um, it, it's really going to depend on what's being done locally to get kids ready. I think um I think my concern for high-performing districts is that um, some may not be paying attention because they've had years of success. Um, Their students tend to do well, but this assessment is going to ask more of kids. And so we've got to make sure that even in our highest-performing districts, they're taking a look at the park test itself sitting down, taking the test, and asking themselves hard questions about where are we as educators and where are our kids in relation to where they need to be.
1: I have two quick questions. Uh, one, I just, uh, is, I just want to reiterate what you said. When you talk about informing the parents, you're not waiting until after the test results. You're doing that now, talking yes. about the standards, the testing, what it means, uh, and they might even be able to help their own kids.
0: Sure, sure, yeah. I think, yeah, for example at home if if a if a student says, "You know, I want to type my paragraph on the computer, encourage them to do that because that's that's a that's a good kind of practice, um yeah, I think the more knowledgeable we are going in, the better we'll be in the end
1: and a question from our chat room uh how does park help or hinder those students who have standardized test issues um it's a little different standardized test, but uh could you answer that one?
0: Well, as I said, I think kids have, have expressed in the field testing that they actually found uh the test more accessible, that they that they found it more interesting, more engaging, kids persevered longer. So some of the students who who perhaps struggled with um all the sheets of paper and filling in the right bubble, I, I think they're going to bring more to to the assessment itself i think that i understand when people are concerned about anxiety and and the kids who get worried about testing um i imagine if you were worried about tests in the past you may still be worried about it in in the future um and i think the more that we can do to 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 encourage kids to be calm, to do their best, you know, to breathe. That you have been well prepared, and now it's your time to show us what you know. Just like when kids go out and they play the big game, you know. I know kids are more nervous, but we don't, we don't say, oh, you know, then then you're not going to play. We we kind of we 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 get ready for the championship, not just with our skills, but psychologically. And I and I think we can do the same thing in our academic arenas.
1: Okay, well, I, that we're coming to a close of our time. I'd like to thank you, uh, uh, Tracy, or Dr. Severance. I, we've done so many That's things fine. together. <laughs> uh, uh, I think uh, you explained it in a very easy-to-understand uh, format. Uh, that brings us to a conclusion of this program. Uh, just to let you know, on October 3rd, we will have the Commissioner of Education uh, coming on the program to discuss uh, the Common Core. So I thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed the program. Thank you, Uh, everyone.
0: Thank you for for participating. Bye now. Bye-bye.